Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I talk to some of our industry's finest leaders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and creatives about crafting a life and a career based upon being outside. Welcome to episode 33 of Outside by Design, season four. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. That is Lisa. And Iris. <laughs> and I'm Iris. <laughs> and we are coming to you from Wheelie, a creative agency based out of Whitefish, Montana. And we're almost done with 2019. We're almost done with season four. But mm-hmm. we're kind of wrapping it up with a big one. This week, we have Katie Burrell. Yeah, Katie Burrell is awesome. If you don't know who Katie Burrell is... You're missing out on a lot of laughter because she's a super, super smart stand-up comedian slash marketing guru slash film producer slash star. Um, Katie Burrell's hilarious, and she just made a movie called Dream Job. Yes, and if you haven't seen Dream Job yet, it is in our show notes. You should go see it. Dream Job is a comedy documentary about the ski industry, and three incredible women in the ski industry. And it's only 15 minutes long, so stop listening to this and go watch it right now. You won't regret it. Yeah, if you're driving, pull over. Pull over, click on the link in this show in the show notes, and just sit on the side of the road and watch all 15 minutes. Put your flashers on and sit there. Yeah. Don't watch it while you're driving. It's too funny. Wherever you're going, you can be 15 minutes late. It'll be okay. It's totally worth it. So, Katie Burrell has just wrapped up her world tour for this incredible film where she did stand-up show alongside showing the film to people. She's gone international. She's gone international. Big, and big fucking deal. From this podcast, you'll be able to see why. So, let's get to it. Katie, thank you so much for being here today. I'm stoked that you're on the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm trying to use the word stoked less, but I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> uh, the first question we ask everyone is to describe where they are and what they are looking at. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom, I guess you could say. Um, it's it's like our, it's my bedroom at my parents' summer cottage. And I'm looking at my laundry that I have not done yet from being on tour for the last 10 weeks and sitting here in a pile. And I don't really know how to start. It's not a lot of laundry, but it's just like crucial laundry. And I've just been in give ups for the last two days and feel very, (sighs) it just feels like symbolic (laughs) almost like really closing that chapter, that tour chapter. Uh, by doing this laundry really signifies to me that basically I have to get my shit together and move on to the next thing. So maybe that's why I'm not doing it. (laughs) And what part of Canada are you in? BC, Port Alberni on Vancouver Island, uh, specifically on Sprout Lake, which is where I grew up and my parents live now. Nice. So tell our listeners what you've been doing on tour and, um, Yeah, I'm excited to hear your take on it now that you're back and recovering. Right. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I'm literally just a brioche at this point. Like Europe is a trap as far as like being healthy goes. I don't understand how people in that part of the world are like slender and functional. Like I was just like a lethargic bun for the entire time that I was there with like a cigarette dangling out of my mouth. Uh, and like 400 Aperol spritzes in my hands at all times it felt like, but besides that's besides the point so I've been on tour with uh this film dream job that Colleen Gentiman uh who's a filmmaker at a base out of Revelstoke produced and pulled me in as like the director slash feature and uh it showcased the three these three um women professional skiers guides athletes coaches in the ski industry Leah Evans, Christina Lusterberger, and Diney Harrison. And the film is called Dream Job. And we launched it in, is called <laughs> Dream Job. <laughs> and we launched it in August, like launched a trailer in August. And the amount of attention it got within that first week of us just like putting the trailer on the internet was enough that a world tour basically like <laughs> came of it. So, and I'm not even being like, maybe a little hyper, hyper, hyperbolic. I always say that wrong. Hyperbolic. Is it hyperbolic or hyperbolic? Either way. Um, people know what I mean. So we hired Nat Segal, who's also a pro skier to, she's also like the most organized spreadsheet brain I've ever met in my life, but she planned this, the, the better part of this tour for us. And we premiered in Vancouver on September 25th and then went from there through like Denver, LA, Salt Lake City, Montreal, Banff, and then through the Kootenays, um, Rebel Soak, Golden Fernie, down to Whitefish. Um, then we went out to Europe and did nine cities in Europe with the Shades of Winter tour, and then London, and then uh, I got home two days ago. And that was like our, I get, I mean, it was like, there were some parts of it that were like the film was a part of a film festival. And so it was screening at the film festival. Some of it was like it was being licensed independently for like private screenings or whatever. And that was like off on its own journey. But the ones that we were doing were um, like, that was like dream job on tour, like the independent tour was this sort of collaborative night of screening with dream job, another film peace mountain that Colleen made uh, the blondes who are, who's this shredder crew out of Revelstoke, uh, of three women, um, basically hunk, huck in their carcasses is what they say all the time. I feel too old to say that, but they say that. Uh, <laughs> and, um, this com commercial, I guess, a short film featuring Cody Townsend and Lee Sogstad, uh, out at Micah Heli skiing that I wrote and directed and shot with Jamie Tanner of Sherpa cinema out there last winter and myself doing stand-up comedy. So it was like this multimedia. So between each film, like I would do stand-up or do like a Q and a, or do some sort of like hosting uh, crowd interaction that um, split the films up and gave the audience a chance to basically like laugh in a multitude of different ways because for me, I'm all about like, I love the way that like different laughter comes as a result of different mediums. So it's like you get your screen laughter, you get your like stand up laughter, improv laughter, you get the kind of laughter that's like when your buddy's just being an idiot and like falls for he's because he's an idiot and you laugh so hard at him. 
and there's just, I don't know. So we're, I was like, let's create something that's like a, like a multimedia uh, tour that has like this element of stand up. Plus I'm unknown. So it's like, you just see me doing this character on screen in the film and, but to give it context, like to really set up the film, like it actually really helps if you see some of my stand up before that. Cause then people can kind of like touch my energy before, uh, before they're, they're experiencing me as like the host or the everyman or the like whatever lens in the film after the fact. So that's basically what we've been up to. My nervous system is more or less not a nervous system anymore. It's just, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm just a hormone <laughs> at this point. But. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And do you want to talk about the character that you've created? Because I think it's so relevant and hilarious. Totally. <laughs> um, well, I mean, so the, the dream, the character that was, for that we created for dream job um was a is sort of a so to back up a little bit two years ago I was playing this character on my Instagram where I basically like created a fake person and just like was her for two years but uh, uh, like people love to go but was she really fake and I'm like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> also like we're all narcissists and deeply insecure and obsessed with ourselves and self-absorbed so in some ways yeah it was a hybrid version of me but also like no, I'm not an ignorant racist, like, which she at times was simply because of the, like, one-dimensional element of her, of this character, which I was, like, making a point that, like, you can create a fake person on Instagram because of of the qualities of the app, but let's stop, get, stop giving it so much power, etc. Either way, went over some people's heads, some people, <laughs> some no. people were into it, either way. So. I've been on that journey for years, for two years with you. I've been like, okay. oh my God, I'm such a fan because like, I really like it when you're in hotels wearing a robe. <laughs> Those are my favorite. But like promoting climate change. Yeah. <laughs> but like needing new towels every morning. Cause like yeah. I'm lost in the world. This um, <laughs> my yeah. ignorance. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So you have context. Um, and then so that was like, that was like the influencer character. We kind of like shifted my character for a dream job into more of like a hybrid version of me as a comedian. It's a little like saltier basically and a little bit less like dumb and a little bit more just vulnerable. And so the way that you create like a hybrid character essentially is to rip out a few of the most pressing uh, human qualities that like make them uh your like someone that would be your friend like empathy or um I don't know listening skills <laughs> and basically you just like create an infallible ego and the ego up against uh real humans is like what creates that foil basically so it's kind of like um like Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm, which like, I'm not like, so uh, self aggrandizing to like compare myself, but it's like, that is kind of the similar technique where you basically create like a, a, a stripped down version of a human to then create like a, a window or a lens or a platform to the, the ones that are more real that bump up against them. And so mm -hmm. my character in Dream Job was very much like a hybrid version of me as a marketing professional and a comedian and a bitter 
insecure, out of shape, relatable every man who's afraid of life, basically. <laughs> and uh, that was what um, provided like a really nice sort of um, like a really nice contrast to the the like undeniable prowess of Leah Evans, Christina and uh, Leah, Christina Lusterberger, Diana Harrison, who are just like so incredibly um, what's it a, what's a good word to describe them like if they were war heroes they'd be like medaled <laughs> they'd be <laughs> awarded war heroes uh sort of sort of um so that is the character if that makes any sense at all I'm not sure but it does it does and so the opening line in that movie is like you're like pretty pretty early in that movie you're like I work in marketing and I kind of hate it is that is that your character or is that true? Oh God, that is true. Yes. <laughs> um, that is very true. It's okay, so here's the thing. When we created the um when we created the voiceovers for Dream Job, we were lying in lying. We sound so janky. We kinda are. Whatever. We mm. were in Colleen's production office with her screens with the film on the screens and she's going how do you want to set up how do you want to set up this whole thing and I was like can I just be like my name is Katie Burrell I work in marketing I hate it <laughs> she was like uh yeah <laughs> she was like can you just record this into a microphone I was like okay and then she's like how do you want to set up the women and I was like can we just be like I'm Leah Evans and I'm this and this and she was like yep can you just record that and so <clears throat> it was definitely like out of a place of truth but it was also like uh to to set up the whole like journey you have to start kind of in like a pole a pole if that makes sense it's like the pole yeah. the polarity of like hate going from hating something to like loving it or from like not understanding it to appreciating it or however you want to sort of describe that journey that's like kind of what we were hoping to do when we started with the poll of me saying I hate being in marketing like I want to be one of the stars and then kind of realizing like well it's not as glamorous or as easy or as um it's just not as easy as as they make it look basically and so but yeah no I definitely don't love <laughs> marketing. <laughs> uh, I can't like I've literally been in meetings, not at my current, none of the current role that I had or the role that I had when I when we were shooting that. But I've had marketing jobs or like literally in presentations where people are talking about like KPIs and like social assets, and I'm I'm just like looking around, being like, D can we all stop pretending <laughs> like we care? Stop it! Like, just everyone stop. It's just like so crazy to me that we've all just decided as a collective to be the most pretentious assholes that have ever existed and just said, decided we're just going to use these horrible words as a group and be okay with it together and just sit and nod at each other, go, mm, 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 Katie, mm, yeah, mm, I'm like, we could just not do that. We could just be like, this is all a farce. This is all just numbers to create jobs for people that didn't get a degree that you can use anywhere like and I'm guilty I'm like I did it I've done it all I've said the worst shit you ever heard in friggin conference calls whatever but 
this, this is, I don't know. I'm just like, I can't do it anymore. I, I can't fake it anymore. And I, God bless everyone that I've worked with in the past and will continue to work with in the future. Like I, my Colleen, my producer, she literally is like, she refers to it was like, Oh fuck. She's gone rogue again. When I just start <laughs> saying all the shit that makes me like ultimately unhirable in the future. She's like, good, great, Katie. Like, we're trying to get funding over here from someone at some point. I'm like, wow, we're not getting funding from any dickheads, that's for sure. <laughs> My, yeah, I was in a meeting once and someone was like, let's kick some ass at. Oh, no. <laughs> I just stared blankly. How did I get here? How did I get, yeah. How did my whole life, every decision I've ever made. Hashtag, how did I get here? Wow. Coming in this moment right here, kicking some ass It's pretty bad how bad corporate (laughs) speak can get. It's pretty bad. Well, yeah. And that, to me, like that opening line had me, like that was such a good hook. I was like, this is going to be awesome. (laughs) I mean, it's hard not to kind of hate it. It's pretty bad. It's pretty annoying. Like just in general, um, the like marketing elements of most everything right now are pretty bad. I was just having this conversation where it's like, it's either deeply sexual, like, like sexualized to the point of just like absurdity, like for, fragrant fragrances for example like dolce and cabana is just like you're just like fucking each other in like a lagoon and then it's like and then the other side of it was just just like extraordinary like narcissism or in self-promotion with like the whole influencer thing or the other side of it which is like this just lying it's just lying like when enbridge comes out with like a commercial and it's like a fucking boat and a pristine like channel and it's just like when did we all start blowing smoke up each other's asses like so royally and accepting that as like how we communicate like if you can't read if you were an alien and you landed you'd be like I don't know if it what you wouldn't know where to start if you just took marketing or like the external projections of companies or whatever shit they're feeding their audience or public at any given point and went this is this is the truth? Oh, okay. You'd be completely ass up, like head in the sand, because it's none of it is real. No, none of it is real. It's absurd. No, it's certainly fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 very fun. You know, as the owner of a creative agency, I have to say, some days I'm like, how is this job real? Uh, but it is. Right. Very interesting. Because it's ultimately just communicating experiences, I think, really. It's like, communicate the experience, communicate the way it'll make you feel, and then consumerism ensues. That's marketing. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Iris. Do you sleep in a bed? Is that a trick question? (laughs) Most nights I do. Do you have sheets on that bed? Um, yes. Are you in love with your sheets? No. Well, that's sad because you should really be in love with your sheets. There are some amazing sheet technology out there now. Speaking of technology, I know of an amazing creative agency called Wheelie. It's for brands who thrive outside and it's the one-stop shop 
for anything your business needs from digital strategy to creative production, to social media management, photography, talent sourcing, speaking events, all kinds of good things that are creative. You can find this creative agency online at wheeliecreative.com. Check them out. Holy sheet. I find this to be really refreshing because I hate marketing. Mm-hmm. I own a creative agency and I publicly hate marketing. All right, when I heard Katie talk about this, I thought, that's right up Lisa's alley. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I think, why, like, our jobs are ridiculously fun, but that's why I always say, like, we're not firefighters. We're not saving lives. Uh-huh. No one's going to die if you don't nail that caption on the social media post. Mm-hmm. But it is fun and brand marketing. If you use marketing for good, you can communicate to the greater good. Yeah. You know, on behalf of people. You can, you can use your platform to have a voice for good. And that's what we try to do at Wheelie instead of just putting shit out into the world. Yeah. You don't need to pretend that it's like life and death scenarios or use all the buzzwords or... Yell. There's no reason to ever yell at this job. Yeah. No. Anyway. Enough of that. That was random. Back to Katie. So it's really interesting how you've had such a positive response. Well, it's not interesting. I think it's expected, but it's really timely that you've had such a positive response across the country in all these ski towns. Mm. Um, Kind of like bringing a little bit of call-out culture to the ski industry in a really good way. Have you heard a lot of feedback on that? I mean, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting experience to create something like in a room (laughs) with (laughs) four other people and then put it out into the world and just go, this feels correct. And while we were editing, like Colleen and I kept laughing because I was in this like weird phase as like a person who can't really communicate all the time, like exactly my thoughts. And I would just, she'd, she'd like show me an assembly and I would go, ah, it's incorrect. And she'd be like, great, that's really helpful for me. And I would be like, it's just incorrect. I I don't know what to say. It's just incorrect. She's like, thank you so much. I'm glad that this has been such a productive work session. Uh, And then every once in a while you go, this is, that's correct. You see how that's correct? That's correct. You like, you'd get there to get, either way, we put out this piece of work that we felt was correct. We were like, nah, well, it's correct. It's as good as it's going to be. It feels as from our genuine, authentic places as we can get it. It doesn't do anything that's too deeply problematic. It kind of still stays quote unquote brave with like one objectifying male joke. Uh, It kind of like, it doesn't say anything about it being all women because it's regressive in our opinions to just continue to be like, give us a boost because we're all girls. We need a hand. It's like, let's just create a piece of entertainment that features really incredible skiing that has a storyline that has some structure that has some character development and beautiful scenery and impressive, you know, loosey skis out of an avalanche. It's quite shocking, etc. And it felt, it just felt from us. Like, it's like, it's just from us. It's like, okay, here you go. And then, and then after the fact, people go, what what's been so this is like call out culture like oh what how this is subversive or like what did it you're like shit you're kind of just like side-eyeing each other being like okay yeah like I don't know like we just made something that we felt was right from us 
And it felt right to Leah. It felt right to Diney. It felt right to Lucy. It felt right to Colleen and I. It felt right to the blondes. It felt right to the people we worked with that were other filmers and other, and the sound guy. And then we were like, here you go. Like we didn't have any intentions of doing anything like in a timely manner or to make a point to say this out or the other thing. It just felt like it was like the piece of entertainment that felt like kind of revealed itself to us, like in the editing process and in the development process. And while we were playing on the side of a mountain doing improvisational comedy, like whatever, it just felt right. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It, it was does. like, there was no intention behind it, really. I mean, of course there's intention behind the things you do, but <laughs> we were like, it's just a piece of entertainment. That's a good one. I hope that's all you want as a, for me anyway. Um, yeah. And to me, I'm like, if you just have your, as like an artist or a creator, like, like all of us have different goals. Like for me, I've always been about, I've always wanted to entertain for Colleen. She's always wanted to reach audiences like, and touch them. And for like Leah and Lucy and Diney, like they all have different goals. You know what I mean? Like Lucy wants to showcase her skiing. Leah's always been about like connecting people to their higher consciousness and then like existing in the world like that. Diney's all about like taking the piss out of everything. So that's so serious and just being real and honest and truthful and living your life. You know what I mean? So it's like when you kind of get that energy together, like that is where I think people are getting this like, uh, call out culture. It's not really call out culture. It's just like, that's just what people are really like when they're not being fucking glossy. The mm-hmm. glossy shit is what is not where no one should be anymore ever really. Like that's like, get like let Gina Davis and all the Shirley Temple tap dancing of the fifties. Like that's not who we are anymore as like a collective human beings who are trying to more go up towards the higher self and the pursuit of that, you know? And so I I don't think any of us had any sort of like malicious intent to like call out an industry and people go, Oh, you're making fun of the industry or you're making fun of athletes or you're, I'm like, no, I'm not. What the hell are you talking about? I'm making fun of myself. I'm like, I'm doing, this is self-deprecating humor to a T. Uh, The whole function of it is to showcase how powerful the other women are through the, you know what I mean? Through the, through the everyman. It's like the, the Bill Murray parody Twitter account that was the like Genesis of when we were like really in the ideation phase, which was like, there should always be like an average guy like running in every or competing in every Olympic event for reference. Uh Uh Like if you saw like the hundred meter sprint go, a banker (laughs) named Tim, just like making his way, it would take him like 20 seconds or 25. I don't even know. The rest of them is like nine seconds. And he's just Uh like running and kind of gassed and like, (laughs) You know, he's kind of hung over because he just like never really stops drinking. Anyway, (laughs) so it's cool that we're getting like it's flattering and it's cool. And it's like, thank you. Yeah. okay. Like this is (laughs) it's just like funny. This is what skiing needed. And we're going skiing actually just needs like snow. But okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. How? uh what's your process like when you are writing I don't even do you call it a set when you're gonna go write some stand-up jokes Mm. well stand-up is like a whole other stand-up's like a whole other beast um 
And I actually was just having this conversation with a friend of mine who's a like a professional comedian and an actor. And there's a lot of like very um there's a bit of tension from time to time around how we label ourselves as comedians. So there's like it's actually like sort of poor etiquette some people think to say like I'm a comedian versus a comic versus a stand-up comic versus a touring comedian versus a da 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 it's like a there's a there's a school of there's a group of people there's a school of thought that's like it's very um are very conscious of like how we're labeling ourselves as performers so for me it's like this fall was such a like departure from any sort of way I'd ever presented my I'm doing quotations with my fingers right now work but it's like there was the stand-up comedy element which was and then there was the hosting element and then there was this film and I'm I have a really hard time saying I'm a stand-up comedian even though I do tons I've done tons of stand-up I do but I'm not like doing it full-time and I don't like have a process around writing and building out a set and continuing to workshop it and going to mics and hitting open mics and because there's like uh I don't know when I was doing stand-up comedy more full-time a couple of years ago in Vancouver, it was like, there was this kind of, I had more of a, um, I had more of a like concentrated or concerted approach to it. It was like, think of your joke. It kind of like channels sometimes like it kind of comes to you in a moment and then you kind of have like a framework you can kind of apply to it that, you know, will like work. And then it's like set up, set up, punchline, set up, punchline, set up, set up, set up, punchline, tag or whatever. And so you like have that and then you go and you work it out. And then really what you do is you go to a microphone, like an open mic and you test it and then you try it on another mic and another mic and another mic. And then you record it and you listen to it and you go, oh, people laughed harder in the middle of it than they did at the end of it. So I should flip that so that at the end they laugh hardest at the joke versus in the middle of it. Cause then it kind of like doesn't create that same building effect when you're building out like a five minute set and then that turns into a 10 that turns into 12 15 etc <clears throat> so I wasn't doing that um on a regular basis prior to this fall tour um this fall tour was pretty like throw you back into the deep end kind of a approach to stand up like the first show I did where I did like a 15 minute set was 250 people. And by November I performed for a crowd of 900 in Europe, in England. Yeah. And I have never performed internationally. And I literally flew from Vancouver to London, took a train up to Kendall, tried to sleep, got picked up by the festival people there, taken to the hotel, freshened up, taken to the event, walked in the event, looked at Colleen, I go, I thought you said this was going to be like 200 people. She was like, I thought it was. It's like a thousand person auditorium. I'm like, cool. Like all British people love to do is go, oh yeah, we have a very dry sense of humor. Or that was like a, not a British accent. I don't even know what that was. (laughs) And I'm going, fuck, is any of my shit even dry? What if they don't get me? I'm like thinking about Ricky Gervais' office versus like Steve Carell's office. I'm like freaking out in my head. And I'm just like, whatever. It's not like I can go and like, workshop how to do your stupid Canadian jokes in England before you know because otherwise I'd have to go live in London for a year and like hit all the mics and like try them out in the different suburbs of London and blah 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 so 
for me, I'm like, I'm fucking as like, not uh, ordered as it gets when it comes to like, performing. And that's been actually like, probably the most fun I've ever had as I think a result of not playing by those kind of rules, like, doing shows in like Fernie and I think Golden actually was probably the funnest night I had on stage of the whole fall because like shit went so sideways and it was just like this opportunity to just be so present in the moment. Like I was doing, I did my set or whatever later in the night, but basically I walk on stage and the front row is, I had written like five minutes of roast jokes on Golden uh, for listeners who are not familiar, Golden's like the shitty town in BC. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a truck stop, but it's not. Yeah. Like a, people from Golden will be messaging me and be like, "You don't understand. We have a cafe." <laughs> anyway, so I'd written these like gross <laughs> jokes. Also, Golden loves to have the piss taken out of it. It loves to just give shit. It's like got that good, fun chip on its shoulder vibe. Yep. Either way, I walk on stage, front row, just a row of children. I go, what? It was a licensed event. I go, this is illegal. So I walk out. I go, why are there children here? Everyone starts laughing. I know, seriously, why are there children here? And then it was just became the whole night just became me like interacting with these kids every time I was on stage. And I was like asking them about their sex lives. And they were like <laughs> 12 through 14, like uh, free skiers that were like in the freestyle ski club at Kicking Horse. And I'm asking them about their, I'm like, what? Do you guys, and then I do, I have a bit about soaking and I was doing my soaking. Bit and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, you guys know what I'm talking And they're just nodding. They're like fully with me. And I was just like realizing in this moment, as it's all happening, I'm going, this is the, this is the Gen Z boomer thing in real life right now. Like they're going like, okay, boomer to me while I'm like doing jokes and worrying about them not knowing about it yet. They're like, we're 12. I'm like, right. You're 12. They go, no, we're 12. Like we've had the internet we've been on we've had phones for six years like you think so anyway it was like those opportunities to just like play with people and just like as if they're just your buds and then everyone kind of gets on board it's like but that but then I feel like I don't have the jurisdiction to say things like crowd work because I'm not like a professional comedian professional stand-up comic on her world tour doing crowd work <laughs> to her arenas like Tig Notaro or whatever I'm just like fucking asking these 12 year olds about whether or not they're banging each other and if and they're laughing and their parents are in the background they're gutting themselves and i'm just like this is just this is fun you know so no i don't have a process to answer your question in fucking <laughs> six minutes <laughs> well i mean it sounded like a freestyle process maybe i don't know that, that was amazing <laughs> you asked me the question i could have gone i it's a freestyle process but instead i walked you through the like full like self uh, like crippling like self-identity journey i have of like whether or not i belong to a group of people that i subscribe to or if i'm an outsider or if i'm actually like um disrespectful of the art of stand-up comedy or if i'm not it's a whole thing <laughs> So were your jokes in England, were you dry enough? Was the humor, did it land? <laughs> That's like instantly I went somewhere naughty in my mind, but uh, <laughs> you can there's, yeah, you never want to, you can never be too wet as they say, either way. So, <laughs> um, 
my, my, I mean, my jokes worked. It was funny because I literally was like having this conversation with um, some of the volunteers in the in the backstage area with all the athletes before the um, and the filmmakers before the screenings. And I, because they would ask me, they asked me to do stand up comedy in the middle of this show, this festival. And so I was asking, because so I was kind of trying to tailor my set a little bit to be a little bit more PG. Haha, ha, that worked. Uh, didn't work. So I'm like <laughs> asking these guys, I go, is can, the word wench, is that a bad? Because I was going to like try to chuck in mm. some like, I go, is the word wench a bad word? Like, is it like cunt or is it like whore or is it like, what's its level? And they were like, but her wench is fine. Like it's a spa maid, uh, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, cause I'm a waitressing joke. So I was like, okay, well, I just want to know what wench is. So I get on stage, <laughs> I open with the waitressing joke. I check out the word wench. Everyone cracks up. We're all out. We're having a good time. Then I roll into like soaking and like <laughs> whatever the hell else. And then, um, get off stage and they love, they, they loved it. They had a good time. They were, we were laughing. We were laughing as a group and, um, um, so one of those guys came up to me after he goes, I don't know why you were concerned about saying the word wench. He's like, that's the least of your concerns. Because I basically was just like the grossest human on earth for 10 minutes after the word wench. Not that gross. It's not like I'm like, you know, but it's I said gnarlier shit than wench, I guess, according to them. So I don't know. It, it's definitely like, <clears throat> it's definitely like fun to just like experience kind of a weird way to experience culture shouting at 900 people and seeing how they react but it's also a way to experience culture you're like interesting that didn't work interesting that really worked okay they're kind of come see come saw on that all right carrying on you know very interesting hey lisa you like colors i love colors did you know that you can get beautiful hair color sent right to your door and you can do it at home what are you talking about? Some people color their hair and they don't want to have to go to a salon. That sounds really amazing. It sounds like they know how to use the color wheel. You know who else knows how to use a color wheel? Who? A creative agency called Wheelie. They're based out of Whitefish, Montana and work with clients all over the country. WheelieCreative.com. Check it out the next time your business needs branding, color advice, strategy, execution, photography, design, good vibes anything you'd ever need, except for hair color. We don't do that. Here's the thing about comedians, Iris. Mm -hmm. Comedians are like, the comedians are like the smartest humans because they're like dangerously smart because they're able to understand a situation so completely that they can call out the absurdity in a way that, you know, resonates with your emotions but also is like educational enough to display and mirror how ridiculous it is so comedians are like brilliant mm -hmm. katie burrell freaking genius yeah listen to this chick she's so smart yeah i find it interesting that katie doesn't want to call herself a stand-up comedian um because I, f I feel like we find that in a lot of creative jobs as well people don't want to call themselves an artist even though they're creating art, sometimes we just have difficulties with labels. Mm hmm I'd like to label Katie hilarious and brilliant. Yeah, I think that's a good stamp that she might be okay with wearing. <laughs> Let's get back to Katie. And so then do you adapt what you're saying based on how hard they're laughing, or do you have kind of an idea of where you're going with it? 
Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the whole thing is like when you're hosting or when you're doing, when you're performing or you're doing any sort of public speaking, um, if you're an empath, which I am, you're like downloading information from the crowd, like in real time. And it can be very intense because you're like downloading them, judging you, downloading them, loving you, downloading them being like not following what you're saying totally, like downloading them being like right there with you. And then that, that, that like main lines into your ego and then you have to like block it while you're talking and there's just like a lot going on on an energetic level um especially with big crowds I mean with small crowds too but you can more connect on a deeper level faster with smaller crowds and the bigger crowds I'd never experienced that on that level before so I was like kind of also learning in real time about how to manage myself on stage and every once in a while you kind of catch yourself while you're talking you're like oh this this setup's gone on too long I need to go somewhere else and I think that's where the like really good, really, really, really good pros can kind of like do that. And I like recognized a handful of times while I was touring, I was like, oh, this is a skill. This is it. me bumping up against it. I'm getting lucky here. Okay. I got lucky there. Okay. I'm kind of playing with it now. Okay. I'm kind of going out on this like gang plank and I'm still getting them to laugh. This is just totally improvised. All right. Okay. Abort, abort, like go back to your set. You know what I mean? So you kind of like play with it, but it's just miles, right? It's like, you just need experience and time and miles. And so, yeah, so there are definitely scenarios in which I would like adapt and, and shift. And then like we, when we were in Stockholm, for example, I like took, the, during a Q&A, like, uh, Sandra Lonsteiner, who organizes Shades of Winter, she, like, handed me the mic, and she's like, can you do, like, some stand-up at, during the Q&A? So she asked me, she basically asked me to go rogue during the Q&A. And then <laughs> Stockholm was, like, so into it. And then, she, like, four days later, we're in Vienna. She's like, do you want to do some jokes in Vienna? And I'm like, okay. So then we're, like, in Vienna and whatever during the Q&A, and I'm, like, talking to these people, and they're just like, not having me like not having me I was like fuck I'm like I brought my piano I knew it (laughs) anyway um so it's like I mean that's part of it too right is like fuck like it's a research project to take your work out into all these different audiences like in Kelowna for example I like in Kelowna versus Vienna like versus Banff like it's just wild like you're just like some days you leave a show, you're like, I'm the king of the world. I am the king. of, And then some days you leave the show, you're like, I should just be a nurse. Like, what am I doing? Like, I <laughs> suck. So it's like, yeah, it's good. It's good to have all of it. Because then you can kind of like pick and choose and play around and whatever. That's just fucking human energetics and human dynamics. IRL, I guess. Yeah, comedians are smart as shit like to be able to be able to make commentary on you know a level that resonates with people from diverse backgrounds like you got to be on it I I think comedians and comics are just some of the smartest people I'm just going to accept your (laughs) (laughs) I'm like uh, should I send you my credit card statement? <laughs> no, it's uh, it's definitely like it's it's an energetic kind of thing. I think to be honest, and I don't know I, some of the like I have friends that are I just watch them. I'm like, what? Or like the comedians I really look up to that I don't know. I'm like, what? How are you doing that? It's just like so. 
it's but it's just it's almost like just getting into another it's like digging into another it's like a crack in the matrix that they're like a coming at or something instead of being like here in the like small talk and then here in the like thing you're supposed to say they're like in the middle somehow and it's like it just feels nice and yeah I don't know I went to Louis CK live a few years ago and I know he's like a, a contentious individual but I had an I had an endorphin rush of how hard <laughs> I was laughing because he was so in there it was like it was like picking a wart out of your it was like a boog it was like awful shit that he was doing it that felt feels so good you know what I mean like I was like oh and you're just like mad at yourself while you're laughing so hard and it feels so good anyway <laughs> but yeah if you're just like bombing you got to stop you got to abort like you got to figure it out again to answer your question in way too long but it's like if 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 they're not responding, uh, change gears. Like you know what I mean. Like in if yeah, if they're not responding, you're it's they go. Oh, the audience sucked. He's like, no, you did. You know what I mean. Like no, you didn't figure it out. Like it's on you. You know. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a pretty interesting level of accountability to take into that. I mean, it's like any job that you have, though. You're like a defense lawyer for criminals. Yeah. It's, if you take your job seriously, you go, okay, I have to literally make this criminal <laughs> seem like an innocent person that's not a criminal. Like, I was actually just reading yesterday the Michael Vick case with the guys that he, like, the dog fighting ring. And I was, like, disgusted reading it. But their criminal, like, the defense lawyers basically created a whole case around... Um, uh, these guys being raised in a culture where dog fighting was uh, like part of the culture it was culturally accepted. And then when they had some money, it allowed them to get into that place. And so really it was a journey in them feeling like senses of belonging and did it. And I was like, Holy shit, this is human psychology. So manipulated and so twisted and it's crazy dark. And, but anyway, it's like you, in any profession you have, like you you have to take account. It's like the physician taking full accountability. You have to take full accountability for what you're doing. Because if it's coming out of your mouth or it's coming out of your hands, if you're a surgeon, whatever it is, it, you say it's, it's like it's like that total ownership thing, like in the captain going down with its ship, or like the military leader going out into war and sacrificing themselves because they put their troops in danger like <clears throat> I mean I don't know the full rundown of that like I would obviously be the worst captain and the worst military leader ever but it's like <laughs> this is it's a similar kind of thing it's like you got to take it's it when you fuck up you just have to own it you know and if you do a good job you can be like thank you I'll fuck up inevitably any minute here so <laughs> <laughs> this feels good in the fleeting moment that it is you know I think that's an important approach for life in general yeah. yeah so I did a really bad job asking this question but mm. we have a word of the month on the podcast mm. and nor you know normally I get it in here sooner but mm. the word of the month is synthesis so when you hear mm. that word what what do you think about I mean the first thing that came to mind in all honesty was like <sighs> 
the sort of the synergy that came as a result of kind of a crux point in, I think, my career, Colleen's career, and then the women that we featured in Dream Jobs careers as well. And how that sort of like, um, the this like moment of crux in each of our places that we were at, like, all kind of lift, looking to shift into like another paradigm almost or like kind of break the rules a little bit in our own way and um that like ended up creating this sort of really fun tension while we were working together and so when I think synthesis I think about like I think about like getting to a place in your life or your career or your romantic life, or your physical body journey, whatever it is, and getting to that point where you have to go, okay, now I step into the shit where it actually gets hard. And if you can find people and things and opportunities and scenarios that speak that language where they go, I'm bumping up against something that's not letting me to go further, because it's like you have to get into like manifestation and energy and being supported by the universe to like break through into that next level. If you can find people that are on that and then you can work together, it becomes almost like you suspend each other in the universe and you suspend each other in the experience of it. And then all of a sudden, like all these sort of like socially constructed things start to go away and like money and uh, like uh, culture and like oppression, like, not oppression, but like, um, being like held down by a thumb, whether it's like creatively, artistically or whatever, because you are moving through a level of what it means to be like a human on earth versus like a energetic light being. And then in that space, in that space, to me, that's synthesis. That's like where you get to it. Um, and so to me, I'm like, well, it was really an interest, like I mean, I don't, you, no one gets to, ex- I mean, I don't get to exist there all the time. Like I think everyone that's like flow state or whatever, like you get there every once in a while, it feels like heroin. I've never done heroin, mm-hmm. but like, apparently it's great. Um, <laughs> designer heroin. I'm not, Oh God. I, sorry. I retract, retract, rewind button. Okay. Before I said anything about heroin being good, I was saying, uh, that flow state is a place where, that is like the that's the area in which you can actually do uh creative shit that like moves things forward does that make sense jordan peterson's like i not to get into jordan peterson but it's like the whole like idea of creativity and like the actual definition of creativity and like all that kind of stuff it's like to to make something that didn't exist in any iteration before which is a, an essentially impossible feat and not even something that you should really dedicate your life to doing because it's just going to be futile because you're just a variation of, a, of a, so, there's too many variables and so many variations and so many things. And it's just sort of like exhaust, just to exhaust yourself to then be disappointed in yourself. So it's like, but, but, but getting to a place where you're like moving up into a state of higher consciousness, a higher self, and then being in that area, that space, I think that's where like, creativity can happen and I think that's why it was like such a magical experience working with like Colleen and Lucy and Diney and the blondes and Leon this because we were like 
I don't even think we were like consciously doing it. We were just like all kind of, it's probably just Leah. Leah's just magic. She just like makes everyone around her basically be like a forest <laughs> nymph. <laughs> wow. That was, that was a hell of an answer. Um, that's amazing. So <laughs> where, uh, where can people find you on the internet and follow you? Um, stalk, yeah, stalk you. cool. Uh, if you're going to stalk me, at least fucking tell me you're doing it. And I don't know if that's necessarily stalking, but I'd like to know. Okay. I would like to know. We can have a dialogue. Um, I am on Instagram at Katie Burrell TV. I'm on, we just have a, we just are trying to fucking get our shit together with like the YouTube thing and the da 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 bullshit. So it's like dream job is online now on YouTube. I mean, if I'm being honest, it's been online since June. Just no one has fucking any sort of Google search uh, cap- capacities apparently. Cause I got approximately 4,000 DMs asking me where it would be online. And I just sort of like didn't answer, but answered anyway it's been online since june we had to put it online since june but then we couldn't say it was online because of the tour and the festivals and all these sort of rules that we kind of like low-key broke but either way um Mm -hmm. dream jobs on youtube we have katie burrell uh youtube channel you can subscribe to that all of our stuff coming out from like kbtv in the future will come we're working on follow-ups to dream job i don't want to say too much but basically dream job 2 is in the works and it's gonna be fun uh there's um colleen gentiman you can find her on at her instagram and then evans leah christina lucy diney harrison 54 i don't want the, i don't know why she has 54 there we gotta work on some <laughs> branding with her it's cool she's like past it she doesn't give a shit um either way yeah that's 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 the internet in a nutshell um for me and then my email is info at katieburrelltv.com if you want to have any sort of like more in-depth conversation about stuff that you can't do in the dms although fuck the dms is where everything happens these days (laughs) (laughs) it is awesome well yeah thank you so much for being here and uh that was that was a fun one okay i hope i i hope i (laughs) I stuck my landing. All right, beauty. <laughs> okay, thanks, Lisa. Great chatting with you. Thank you so much, Katie, for being here. Like I said, listeners, if you didn't pull over already, which you should have, we told you to at the beginning of this episode, pull over now and watch Dream Job. It's linked in our show notes, or you can Google it, Dream Job Katie Burrell. Yep. And... Once you're done watching that film, that's the first thing that you need to do. The second thing you need to do is follow at Katie Burrell TV on Instagram. It's very funny. Because it's basically a dream job, but just every single day. Watch your stories, yep. consume that content. You'll be very happy that you did. You won't regret it. And with that, we have one more episode left in season four and in 2019 before we take a break in January and it'll be a fun one. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So look forward to that and happy holidays. Bye.